Hey, brother. Hello, brother. Welcome to Season 6, uh, Episode 22 of Match Wits. I'm your host, Steve, alongside my younger brother, Chris. Uh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> he said bother instead of brother. Yeah. I'm a riot. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're new to Match Wits, uh, Match Wits is a nostalgia-infused pop culture podcast where my brother and I, separated by seven years and 2,300 miles, talk about all sorts of different things, kind of meander through a bunch of different topics. Um, typically on these, and we've veered away from this the last couple episodes, but I'll bring it back up because... Uh, we will oftentimes disagree on on a fact, so we will we will do a dollar bet. We call it the dim wit tally. Uh, I'm in the hole two dollars to Chris uh, yep. at this point, which is, means Chris has got uh, a bunch more of these than I have. But uh, I'm looking to redeem myself. So a couple things happening, uh, and what we thought we would do on this particular podcast is dive into uh, dive into miniseries. Now, again, before we get too far into miniseries and, and Chernobyl and stuff, Chris and I were talking before I hit record. So we just literally uh, moved. Uh, we moved houses yesterday. So I cobbled together my rig here in my new office, and uh, uh, I'm doing that. So I didn't have a ton of time to, uh, to 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 prep up for this week's episode. But Chris and I have been talking about for oh the last couple of weeks, last couple of episodes uh, about Chernobyl. So Chris, Chris, you've seen Chernobyl? Watched it through twice already. I'm on my second time through. I watched it once. Well, I started watching. I watched the first two episodes by myself, and then I rewatched the rest of it with Aaron. I watched it again with my wife, and then I listened to uh, HBO put out a podcast with Craig Mazin, the guy that created and wrote it. Um, and I forget who the other host is. It's just another podcast guy. But they do each episode. They do a, po- a corresponding podcast, which kind of fact checks it, which is more like almost like a bibliography. So they go through the episode and they're like, all right, well, this was true or this was dramatic license or this is why we did this, which it just helps. So when I'm talking about it to people and they're like, I don't recall this ever happening or this being historically accurate. And I'm like, well, you can look it up. And yes, they, I think I want to hazard a guess about 90 percent of it is factually accurate. And some, some of it's dramatic license and some of it's. Mm-hmm changing things but yeah so now yeah. I'm, I'm re-watching it again now that i did a little bit more reading on the, the actual disaster and all of that so now i'm re-watching it again just because it's it's really good and the, it is the, it is well it is a well-made and yeah five five episodes for me is not i mean that's that was a nice arc there it was actually mm-hmm. it ended i was like wow it's over already five episodes but i think it was perfect to the for the the yeah. The stories that they told and what they covered, it was they, they did it pretty well. Um, so, a couple of thoughts and spoilers: if you haven't if you haven't seen it, stop the podcast, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then and then come back because it, it, it's really it's really well done. Uh, I do want to co- talk about a couple of things, uh, plot points in here, or, or things that I thought were particularly interesting to what they what they did. Sure. Um, the first being, uh, uh, and I don't know if you had the same problem. Uh, I had a, I had a tough time with the character and the characters' names. Sure, because of the <laughs> they're, they're, because... it's super Russian. Like, yeah, you're <laughs> I, not going to be able to remember all of them, right? But, like, but I'm on in... my second time through, Steve, and I, I honestly, I probably couldn't tell you Jared Harris's character's like actual name. without without looking. Hmm. Like I can tell you, Stellan Skarsgård's Cherbina, but Boris. I, I don't. Yeah, is that it? Is, is that his first name? Sure, his name is Boris. That's why I thought you put Boris to Spider Man because his name was Boris. No, I just said it because I was listening to the Who the other day. That's oh, all. Nice. <laughs> but like the, I think it was Elania. Is he that was her Boris name? Boris Cherbina and Shrubina. Jared Harris was Valerie Lagazov. 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 Like, I, I, see, like that's Whatever. what I mean. We've watched it, dude. I've watched it a ton and been talking about it a ton, and I still can't pronounce their names. Yeah. Like off. Sure, like, whatever. Like, Jared Harris's character. Yeah. So, but. so I had I had problems with that, right? I had I, I had problems with the names, and and particularly because of the way they jump around a little bit. Right? Sure. So you, you you open up and you get Jared Harris likes a lot like a lot. And you get him, and he, you know, the opening scene is he's committing suicide, and then you go back to the origin and you follow through. So when you see him again, you're like, is that the same 
Like, because they were all wearing those period, it all happened, what, it happened in 86, right? Mm -hmm. So they're wearing the glasses, and I'm trying to think, all right, so this is a, I'm trying to, trying to do the time jump, trying to figure out, is he one of the guys in the factory or one in the, in the power plant? And then you realize, oh, no, he doesn't come in till, till later. So I had trouble with that. And then the, the, the guys you see in the, in the power plant at the beginning when the, thing is, when the thing is blown up and they're all in crisis and they're all, they're all wearing white lab, lab coats. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you see them again, like in episode, I guess, episode three, when they're in the hospital, I have a hard time kind of stitching together what their like what their role was like the young kid that was the and I'll, I'll give you I'll give you five dollars without looking it up you can tell me what his name was the twenty five year old lead engineer. Ugh, I, I'll hazard again. Mikhail? I don't know. <laughs> Just I'll think of Russian names. Mikhail, uh, Ivan, Boris. I don't know. No, uh, I couldn't uh, tell you that. But that's Steve. I, I don't think the there was outside... a Mikhail. There was a Mikhail, but that was those the guys out. I think that were that were hunting the uh, the dogs. Ugh. Oh, did you 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 finished the series, Steve? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so have you gotten to the episode of the podcast where he talks about the they cut out stuff from that particular episode? That no, was no, I haven't. I, I don't think I'm I'm, I'm oh. at the beginning of episode four. Like they're talking about when they uh, the the stunt cow or the <laughs> the, stu the stunt the, cow, the, the robotic cow. So yeah. let's get to that, anyways. Okay. Um, but I do no, getting yeah. back to the names things it. it it's not really i know it's it sounds weird to say it but it's not significant that the 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 names of those characters aren't significant what they did is significant and the situation is significant like i know that i i know that minimizes what these people went through but in the context of the story you don't really need to differentiate between the people that's what the conversation with was it iliana ula ulana the the woman that goes to the hospital and starts questioning them that's you don't you can't tell anyways even if you knew their names they're so deteriorated from the radiation poisoning and the burning that it you start to learn you actually relearn what their roles were as she's talking to them because yeah, she doesn't right. know she had never met them before either so she's talking to them about like the 25 year old you mentioned that yeah. I have no idea what his name is she talks about how young you are and how inexperienced you are. And that's, she's our audience surrogate to understand what these guys did in the situation and what they're going through now. So I don't, I don't have a problem with that. It's the same reason I don't have a problem with them doing Russian accents. They, they make Craig Mason made a really good point. And he goes, it's only distracting for like the first 15, 20 minutes when they're not talking in a Russian accent. And then you completely forget about it rather than, all of the purists come out and be like, well, these guys were from this area of, of the Ukraine versus right. these people were from because Russia is so large and there's so many different dialects and so many different that you would get people nitpicking about the accents that were used or whether it slipped in and out of their accents. Now you just get really, really good actors and just let them act that they don't have to worry about all right, I wouldn't say it like this. They would just be in the character or speak with their normal accents and then not worry about it. And I, it, Craig Mason makes it a point. He was like, yes, that was a creative choice, but we'd rather people focus on the acting and the writing and the, the, the actual miniseries itself rather than worrying about accents, which I liked. Because it does. It's only, it, it's only distracting for like the first 15 or 20 minutes. And then there's one part where they're doing the Russian... Uh, like the announcement over the PA system mm -hmm. when they're driving around and they're evacuating Pripyat. They don't, they, I thought there was something wrong at first. My, my, my TV, like it wasn't doing subtitles. And then I was like, wait a second. And I looked it up and that was a creative choice. You're supposed to feel as confused as the people of that town when they're being evacuated. Ah. And then when I saw that, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of narrative sense. And I thought something was wrong. I turned the subtitles on and it doesn't say anything. Like it, it'll give <laughs> right. like, it'll say like it'll speaking, say, Russian. it'll say, uh, I, I think it said speaking in Russian. I think that's actually nice. what it said in the brackets. And I was like, Oh, and then I looked it up on the internet and that was a conscious decision. And like all of the newscasts are pretty much the same ones. Like the Tom broke, was it Tom? No, it's Peter Jennings mm -hmm. is the actual, is the actual newscast. The one, the Russian one that they use is actually like a really almost like a shot for shot recreation rather than the original one. Cause I don't think there's any existing copies of that 
particular newscast that you see, but all of the choices, especially once you hear Craig Mazin explain it, make a ton of sense. Yep. And and it, it all adds to it. Well, but in the fact, and I think they found a nice interbetween there, is that there was no that I could discern there. There's no American actor or actresses in this. Right. So none. he makes it a point. He said, absolutely no, but you could, you could get away with European natural European dialects. Right. So Stellan Skarsgård is what is he? Swedish. He's Swedish. Um, Emily Watson is British, Irish, British. Right. So, but you, all of them, because they have that, the way they talk, you just lose. Finally, it just makes sense, right? You know, just mm-hmm. like they're 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 talking, but they're not overdoing the Russian accents, right? So yep. I, I thought that was a, I thought that was a good choice. You know, I like sure. the way I like I like the way they did that. Um, and into the American ears, as soon as you hear a foreign accent, it doesn't really matter. You know what right. I mean? Like it's just it's not American. That's all we need to know at this point in time. So. Yeah, and they like all kind the, of they all kind of blend together, and it just mm-hmm. again it, it it fits, and they did. I think they did a real go- a good job of capturing some other things that submerge you into the story, where you don't have to worry about the, the Russian accent, right? The yep. way they the way they the way they dress, the you know, it's not like they they did a lot of recreations of 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 Chernobyl and Pribyat and all that, and, and and able to really create the setting visually, so you immerse yourself in it, you don't you don't lose the fact like, wait, are they? That guy's freaking is he British, and this guy's yeah. Swedish, and, and this guy's Swedish. Well, yeah. that's one of the things that he always he hits on a lot of that podcast is he talks about how much time and effort they did with the production design, like the hotel that they stay at during the whole thing. Like he talks about, like, all right, so some of the exteriors we shot at this place, but then we went back in with CGI, and it's literally a brick for brick <laughs> recreation of that exact hotel, down to the layout, right. down to the lighting on the outside. Mm-hmm. The amount of care that they put into the production design makes you feel like it's Russia. And I don't think they shot it anywhere near there. Like, I, obviously, you can't shoot in, in Chernobyl proper, but I think they shot somewhere in, in I, mean, I think it was still. Kiev or something? Yeah. Or somewhere yeah, yeah, around yeah. there, yeah. But the, the amount. Ukraine, but... And the fact that they said it's not hard to find fashion or or wardrobe from the mid 80s there because people still wear it like that's just (laughs) the way it is like you're not talking about you know what i mean like big cities or madrid or or paris that are on the cutting edge of fashion like this is the soviet well former soviet block like it's cold and it's it's gray and it's russia like so it's not hard to find things that feel period authentic, which they did right. a great job. Like there's a, a website that I go to, I think it's called Jalopnik. And it, what it does is they, they take movies and then they fact check all the cars, all the cars and the trucks and all this <laughs> stuff. And they, they were like, this is the first time, like I think Stranger Things was like the highest rated. Like there was only one that was slightly, it was slightly later than it was supposed to be, but it was the same year. So they only docked them like two or three points. But they said Chernobyl is as flawless a miniseries in terms of at least just the vehicles that were used to to absolutely flawless of what would exist at that point in time. And that just shows a lot of care. It, it shows a lot of care, attention to detail, and understanding that the story that they're telling is not only important, but historically relevant and poignant now with you know with especially with everything that's going on with iran and (laughs) and every you know what i mean steve like the the idea of nuclear not necessarily just nuclear power but the idea of nuclear weapons is now back on the forefront of everyone's mind so it's timely and it's yeah i just i i've tell i told everybody that i i could possibly would listen to me to watch it and everybody keeps coming back to like you know what you were right that's really good like there's very few times that i will give that kind of strong recommendation and Chernobyl is one of those. Yeah. That's why as soon as I was done, I was like, you need to watch it. Cause I want to talk about yeah, it. Was, it was, it was really good. So there was a couple other things, right? So this was a completely based on, he did, it sounds like he did a ton of research. Like I said, it's, it's, it's highly factual. I mean, did take creative license with a lot of things and you know, it shouldn't, it, it was not a, it wasn't a documentary, right? It was, it was, it was a mini series. They, you know the the Emily Watson character didn't exist, right? She's like an yep. a, amalgamation of, uh, and they and they used her as a vehicle, right? They, they yeah. needed to to kind of have somebody that had this more 
deep understanding of what was happening from a from a scientific perspective and they just kind of all put it in one character instead of having a bunch of other characters so i thought that was that was cool and they're pretty upfront with it like these these are the things that are these really happened and this is this yeah. is this is something we made up and i think there was another there was a couple other characters that they that they're pretty clear that they like they needed it for you know to help to help the story along uh, sure but but by and large a lot of that again it was all it was all factual um, and and most of the changes that they make are necessary for it to be cinematically captivating, if that makes sense. The the idea yeah. of the when the, the the divers, the quote unquote, the three guys that go down into the bottom of Chernobyl to drain those those tanks before mm-hmm. it goes before it has a thermal explosion and wipes out most of that area of Europe. Um, the the idea of ending the second episode is it the second episode that ends with their yep. their flashlights going off and then they have the little hand, the little hand crank one yep. they didn't have those hand crank ones Steve like they had to do it in the dark like those guys had worked down there mm-hmm. so long and were so familiar with the layout that all they needed to do was follow the pipes but you couldn't do that right. and make yeah. it cinematically cinematically captivating so they're like all right so we're gonna give them these little hand crank ones that, you yeah. know people used to take camping and things like that but even those they went and specifically found ones that were russian issued from that time that these guys would have at this particular plant at this particular <laughs> right. time in this particular model and good lord like that that scene the, that's how the episode ends and i remember i was i had two on the dvr so i watched that one and i was going to save the next one for aaron and then it ends with their flashlights going out and i'm like well guess i'm staying up for another hour and watching the rest of it. <laughs> right so then I, she came down, yeah. and I remember she went and she was looking on the DVR. She was like, "Did you watch the other episode of Chernobyl?" I was like, "Wait, do you see how the second episode ends?" <laughs> I had to, but yeah, but that's you know what I mean. Like the the idea of them doing it in the dark is even more harrowing, of course, than the way it's portrayed. But you could yeah. do it because then it would just be dead nut silent. So yeah, there's so so much good stuff in there. I, and what what I like too, and, and I'm glad you turned me on to this was. It was fascinating listening. I'm not through all the podcasts. Like I'm like again, I'm a halfway or just a, just started the fourth one, right? The fourth the one mm-hmm. that talks about the fourth episode. Um, but what a good like good on good on HBO for doing that, and and I know it extends the reach of the content. But that was such a well like I, I can I kind of I like the kind of the instead of doing the um, no, like the Talking Dead. Or, or talking bad or like those shows that AMC would do after uh, or I guess it's in that same vein but to actually have the writer on and and, and talk about what they did and what was true and all that I, I, I like that approach well the, the I liked it more because it, it it is it's a it's a it's a bibliography of everything that's in the show versus talking dead is just more reactionary to what they right. just watched yeah. and Chris Hardwick as much as I he drives I don't want to say I, yeah, he does. He kind of he kind of grinds on me a little bit, yeah. little. But those seem almost look like to me like paid advertisements, where it's all just talking about the stuff that they liked rather than a critical analysis of it. Exactly. Yeah, I guess that was yeah. I, and it was a way that you could squeeze another hour worth of commercials. For exactly. A, a one hour episode of Walking Dead was to get the people to talk about it, and you get the, the cast on, but they they never go into too much detail. They don't. I mean, no. they, they, it's a little bit, but they, to me, this was like I was real. I was like, this is good. Like the content in there, and maybe it was just because the, the guy. I think the guy was a Peter. Peter, well, what was the guy's name that did the interview? Um, Peter. He Segal. sounded like he sounded like Greg Proops. Yes, Peter that, Segal. That, that, that. I think he understood screenwriting and and all that, so he was asking really good questions. And yeah. and the guy was it Craig Mazin? Is that who? Yeah. Like he he was really insightful and open and and talked to it. And you get an idea of the process and the choices that they made and why they made them, yep. which I thought was to me that was just added to the entertainment value of the whole thing. That's... So I get to kind of relive it again and say, oh, that's why they did this and that's why they did this. And again, just because it's fresh in my mind was the 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 elderly woman when they're when they're finally evacuating and she's milking the cow <laughs> and that and that whole interaction i mean there was a deeper you know that was uh the the writer and the um 
had a far like he really wanted to show how the Russians pay respect to their elders, particularly you know related to the Great War. And I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool. I didn't take that away. I just it was certainly there was there was respect right where the the soldier was being it was cautious and, and all that. But yep, it was. Uh, it was even deeper than that. I think more thought went into it than uh, the, the average viewer would would realize. So, well, sure, and and that's one of the things that you get from that podcast is that normally, I mean, I read a little bit into it, and you know, the whole conversation about there's always an emergency or there's always something that's trying to get me off my land, and I, I read into it a little bit, but then you hear and realize that that was the intent all along, and it points out all the things that you may have missed because it is such a dense show. There's so much history and there's so much character drama and there's so much melodrama and there's so many choices by the people that were in there that if they make one choice, it ends even more horribly than before. And if one person makes this choice, it ends completely different. Like that's what they talk about. So that's why he, he shaped it the way that he did. It starts with Valerie Lagosov's, uh, suicide and then you have to figure out how it gets there and that's why they show the the control room as it's happening and then it cuts to the actual and then at the end it brings it all full circle because that's he didn't want to do just a straight up it's not like you said it's not a documentary it's it's an it's a narrative it's a drama that it is he wanted to do it in a different way that hadn't been done before he hadn't seen mm-hmm. so many times before and all of that speaks to the talent of Craig Mazin. Yeah, which... and, and and you really forget how much. I mean, I was what was said it was eighty six. So I was what fourteen, yeah. and you were like seven like, yep. when it happened. And 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 we didn't hear a lot about. it. We knew it happened. I mean, we all knew Chernobyl, but never quite to the extent uh-huh. how close. Like it could have been much worse. Like how close yeah. that whole thing was to, you know. Melting down into the water table and contaminating the Baltic Sea. Like, yeah, contam- exactly. like, and the one guy was like, so how long would it take? He was like, oh, the half-life of uranium, whatever, 206 it is. 24,000 years. It's 24,000 <laughs> years, so we're fine. But the, the, the conversation that they had about the bullets... That the every every minute or every hour that this reactor is opening, it's it's the the equivalent of two bombs that were or the radiation equivalent to two bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima, and it's been open for fourteen hours straight. <laughs> right. So every so you're talking about twenty eight here bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima so far, like in the two weeks of, the, and you're talking about the bullets that all of the radiation are considered bullets. And it's, it's shooting these thousands and thousands of bullets. And Craig Mason even talks about it. He goes, I knew what radiation was. And the idea of, of it is, is scary enough, but he was like, when someone presented the analogy of the bullets of each individual radioactive ion constituting a bullet that's getting cast up into the air and then falling down, he was like, that's what solidified it for me. He was like, that's why we made it. He was like, the the cinematographer makes it a really good point to linger on things that you normally wouldn't find foreboding. Mm-hmm. So when the the first time they they send the the industrial grade, what is it, the salinizer or whatever the the Richter the Geiger counter in the yeah, first yeah. one where they strap it to the front of that, and then he, he focuses when they're decon- they're decontaminating the truck. And he focuses on the water coming off the truck, going down into the drain. And you're just like, oh, my God, that's all radioactive water that's now in the sewer line. But that's what he wanted to linger on these things that are normally overlooked. And he was like, I want you to feel every time it rained that it felt like that should be more dangerous than what it actually looked like. So, yeah, so good. So, and right, I think it was right format for that as we discussed right so five episodes they were all they're all right about an hour right mm. i have to go look but yeah i think so but five hours six hours was right amount of time to tell to tell that story and that, they did such a good job so you know one of the other things i want to talk about like just mini series as as a format and and honestly i want to i just want to kick you an idea that i was thinking about when i was kind of delving into like, it seems like the miniseries format's primarily used for historical-based storytelling, right? Where you can't get sure. through it in an hour. You can't get through it in an hour and a half. You can't get through it in a movie, right? So Chernobyl, Band of Brothers, Civil War, North-South, a lot of those that were, whether they were like fictional or whatever, but they, were, they centered around historic events. 
real easy to be like, we, everybody knows the outcome, right? Yep. So we're going to get there, but we're going to tell the story and it's going to be, it's going to be this long and you need it to develop the characters. I feel like when I was thinking about this, like, um, Game of Thrones probably would have benefited from a, this is what it's going to be. Right. I feel like, and I, I'm not a big, I'm not going to argue with anybody, but I'm like, I'm not a huge Game of Thrones fan. I've watched a lot of it. Um, but I feel like that didn't have the, that structure like a miniseries would have. Like, here's where we're starting, here's where we're ending, and wow. now we're going to tell it and we're going to let it develop. Because I feel like up front, well, they did a lot that's... of really good development of the, the, the characters when it would match the source material. And then at some point, it just started to meander. And then it was like, okay, well, now we're going to be done. Well, sure. But that's, that, that's not really fair to them. Because the people that, all right. So. When they started, there was what they had three books, mm -hmm. four four thousand page books to go from, and they were under the, probably under the the understanding that Martin would have finished the rest by the time they <laughs> caught up to him. Right? You know, like Steve, they they've been talking about the George R. R. Martin's book. I think it's Winds of Winter or whatever that mm -hmm. they're on now. Like that was supposed to come out like five years ago, four years ago. So I don't think when they started, they ever thought that they were going to outpace the books. Right. So they always had the source material. So George knows where he's going. He's always claimed that he knows how his, his saga will end. Right. But when they started it originally, I bet you they thought, okay, when he's done, then we'll be done. That way we'll, right. we'll we can match. But when they outpaced the books, that's when, the writing because George takes his time uh, clearly about uh, as mm -hmm. long as he takes to write the books and write the backstory and write the, the, the character arcs for each one of these characters. Like the, he's, he's it's, it's literary like that takes yeah. time yeah. and that you can do it. You can meander for a long period of time where movies and television don't work that way. They have to push itself forward because people who watch things versus people who read things don't have the same attention span. So I don't think that's necessarily fair to them. I think they always knew it was going to be a closed. It was never going to be lost where it went on too long or Seinfeld where it was on, you know what I mean? For yeah, 10 yeah. years or right. wherever it is, it was never going to be those, uh, that ongoing series. It was, there was a beginning and an end. They just, I think they thought that George would have the end for them and then they had to find it. Yeah. That's, way. Good. that's a good point. Yeah. I just, I just feel like when it, like, it was Chernobyl was so good. It finished. It started like you, you almost wanted more, but, but at the same point, you're like, no, that was good. Like it was the perfect amount of content. Like yeah. it was just so well done. You're like, oh, this is you, you started getting invested in these characters. But again, next thing you know, they're you know they're at the trial, they're wrapping up, and it was like they put a bow on it, and it was it was good. And you look at but, that. I think a Band of Brothers too is another one yep. where. You know, you follow them through the was it the, the landing in Normandy, and then follow it all the way through when they. No, we Steve, we start with them at boot. Remember they they start at boot camp. Oh together. right, right. Dick Dick Winters isn't even like he's not even a ranking officer. I don't think at that point in time David Schwimmer is. David Schwimmer's the guy that puts him through hell, and then they they kind of push back because he had never been in combat. Like they start, like that's what I mean. They start, but the, again, but, they, that's but, they, yeah, but they're things. on their way though. I think I have to go back and watch. But um... they they start at boot, but that's what. It, so the idea of that story is it starts at boot and it ends at VE Day. Like yeah. that's when when they take the Eagle's Nest. Like that's, but that's how you knew it had a beginning and an end. Where Game of Thrones didn't, or mm -hmm. any of these other like when they were talking about television shows, they don't really have ends. Like they probably know, you know, arcs that they want to hit. But when it, when it, when the network comes up to you and was like, "Here, do you want to make another thirty million dollars making another <laughs> or another season right. of this TV show?" versus a, a hard set and a hard hard start and end. I I think I don't know. I I kind of like the idea of everything is a miniseries don't don't meander because once you start getting into those later episodes of lost like those later seasons like those <laughs> first few episodes or the first few seasons were fantastic yep. that that pilot episode to me is one of the most perfect pilots that i've ever watched of any television show in the history of me watching television but the first episode of lost I can't, 
the pilot of Lost is mm. the one of the best hour and 30 minutes of television that I've ever seen. It sets up so many mysteries and gets you so intrigued. But then it goes on for seven seasons, and then they try to explain those mysteries, and you're like, no, thank you. <laughs> right. No, no, thank you. Don't, don't tell me after two years that it's not one thing, and then make, make me spend five more years or whatever, five more seasons, which came over, over seven or eight years, and then end the way you did. Like, don't do that. So it's, everything should be short miniseries versus because it meanders i agree yeah. i agree when you don't know where you're going to end up and you just yeah 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 you need to be i like it. and i think H- is hbo kind of like owning that format i'm trying to think of like have we seen in recent in the last couple of years any other good miniseries recent that hbo does a lot of really good ones did you watch the night of no oh you want to watch it's about Riz Ahmed plays a, a cab driver who picks this girl up after she had like a bad date and he takes her home and he like ends up hooking up with her and then wakes up and she's been murdered oh I think you, and, did we talk about this in one of the other podcasts with, or somebody told with, me about this Might have been with John John Turturro as like his court appointed oh you want to talk about you want to talk about a captivating miniseries, dude. Like, it's all about, like, the, he accidentally says things. You know what I mean? Like, when he's under the pressure of, and you, as soon as he says it, you're like, oh, man, you're in trouble now. And it's all about trying to figure out. And then he gets sent to prison and bad things happen to him and stuff. But, I mean, HBO, for all of its shortcomings. Is that an HBO one? Oh, it's yeah, an it HBO is. one. Yeah, nine episodes. They, they, take, they take a lot of gambles. They They give people... Like Craig Mason, like we talked about, he came from like not another teen movie or scary movie or all of those parodies. And then he pitches a five part historical miniseries about the Chernobyl disaster. And people were like, okay, sure. And then to get what they got out of it shows that they 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 aren't afraid afraid to take chances afraid to take creative chances like the night of is great i don't have a clue who wrote or created that show either but it was great and it just it 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 show it gives it, it allows hbo to be a little bit more i mean they make so much money off their subscriptions anyways that they can use that for these right. original content but yeah i mean true detective technically is a limited series is a mini series each like there's been multiple seasons but each season is a completely standalone story and that first season of true detective it was awesome was great <laughs> I, I may i may have had problems with the ending per se but matthew mcconaughey as rusty cole mm. talking about time time is a flat circle is still oh that was yeah like the, that was good well steve and, and you're right also, they, and they did them as individual standalone uh, like there was no carryover. They could have called the second season something else, right? Sure. <laughs> like, but that's not how I think it's Nick Palacio is the guy that the guy that wrote it. Mm-hmm. He, that's not he when he pitched it. He was like, it, each season is going to be a different story. Yep. And I think HBO even tried to strong arm him into making season two be a continuation of Rust, Rusty and Woody right. Harrelson's characters. And he was like, no, he was like, that's not that was not what we agreed upon. But like that was unbelievable and so the reason i really like true detective is it it touched on some stuff that i've been researching a lot of steve the the idea of the king in yellow the the carcosa they make reference to at the end like that weird overgrown lair that the killer had at the end of true detective and they refer to it as carcosa Mm -hmm. and they refer to the, the king in yellow so that is all from a book called the king in yellow by richard chambers i believe his name is but it's so it's a book that was written about a book that every time you read it, you went insane. <laughs> I know it doesn't really like right. it's one, but this this is the rabbit hole of research that I've I've went into, and that starts getting into H.P. Lovecraft and the King in Yellow is actually a reference to a Lovecraft character called Haster. And it's like, that's why once they started referencing it, I was like, oh, this is my jam. Like I sat up <laughs> a little bit and I was like, all right, let's, but that's when you start doing research. But, you would have never expected a procedural drama from HBO about two detectives investigating murders in Louisiana to have references to H.P. Lovecraft in it. Right. And like, that's why I was just like, all right. And that it, it, you got to give HBO some, some credence for allowing that to happen. So 
Yeah. Well, and I like, but and the so I watched the second season, right? Ugh. Yeah, it was oh, not so it was not not good. But what was Rachel McAdams and Colin Farrell? I mean, and Vince Vaughn. Yep. I mean, good Vince cast, Vaughn. good actors. The story was yeah, it was tricky. Well, it, and I haven't watched it. No... It's not like the third round. They want to be rebounded a little bit. I heard it was really. I started it. I I, I think I, I only watched maybe two or three episodes, but I still have the rest on my DVR. I just haven't mm-hmm. sat down and watched it. I don't know. It's. I I think it's just I loved the first season so much, and the second one left such a sour taste in my mouth that I don't know. It takes a lot to win me back. Burn me once, and yeah, I'm kind yeah. of like, eh, so, there's enough other stuff out there that I can watch. Which which brings me to my so so a couple other things, right? So along these lines, so I think HBO does, and, and we're not sponsored by HBO. We're just I, I just <laughs> unless just, they want to, it's, it's, yeah, it's just an observation. I feel like they embrace this, right? Just because of the ones we just mentioned, um, including the night of, which I wasn't aware of, but sounds super cool. Um, Netflix, maybe not, um, and, and not. And you mm-hmm. said offline that I do not like Netflix. I love Netflix; it's great. But the challenge I have is, so if you look at some of the shows on there, where it, maybe it just they meanders or whatever, they don't finish. So. Mindhunter. Well, so wait, wait. I want to okay. go. So, All right, think, sorry. so along the lines of like a true detective, Mindhunter, that first season where they're basically it's the it's the genesis of uh, criminal profiling that leads to the, the coining the days serial killer and yep. and trying to get into like the, the 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 psychology and pathology of of serial killers. Phenomenal. Like, fen- uh, uh, did you watch it? Have you seen it? Yes, yes, I watched. I watched it twice. Yeah, it's David. It's David Fincher as an executive producer. I will watch anything that he has <laughs> right. his fingers on. And they and they shot and did a lot of it in near Pittsburgh. So a lot of people that I know from that area worked on it. Oh right, because it was yeah they filmed not too far from uh, where the Ruse live. So mm-hmm. Shannon was they, like, they, yeah, they have like people walking around in in seventies in seventies attire and a parking lot full of seventies cars. Yeah, oh. they they were talking. One of my friends was, I think, a production coordinator on there, and she was in charge of finding ca- period authentic or periods uh, appropriate cars. And she was like, "It's really, really easy to find old, beat up, you know what I mean, like nineteen seventy two El Caminos <laughs> in that area because people love that those cars in that area. So finding it's the same thing like they probably had when they were in you know Eastern Europe for Chernobyl. Like finding fashion and stuff <laughs> right. for that time period is not that difficult in that." In that area, because well, it feels a few years behind. And where, so the house where Holt, right, the one of the two main characters, Holt, um, yeah. the guy played by was it Billy Tench? Um, I think it, the the house that they used for filming that literally is like a block from where our sister lives. That's fine. So yeah, that sounds about right. But anyways, so it aired. I watched that two years ago in September. Yeah. So, it was great. It mm-hmm. left you hanging, right? Because it starts to build. Every episode's kind of got this. There's a there's a, a a serial killer that's that they show like he's doing stuff. Like you see that the guy mopping stuff, and you're like, who's that guy, right? And so they're 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 leading you down this path, and then it stops. And now it's been it's been two years. I'm gonna have to rewatch it, and then before the next season comes out, and I don't even know when the next season's coming out. It's coming out though. I know it got. I know it got renewed. I don't know. It says 2019 on this, but that could be. It could be wrong. Oh, it says but, season two. Yeah, let's see. So, when, uh, <laughs> but my argument August. with Netflix, you, my argument with Netflix is. So I always like to use the analogy that Netflix is the thrift shop of streaming services there's a lot of crap like a lot of bad (laughs) stuff so think about when you go to like a thrift store steve you can find like one really awesome vintage Mm -hmm. concert tee but there's going to be 50 you know what i mean like field day 2012 from this grade school there's going to be every size of that but there's only going to be one of this really cool you know quarter flash 19 yeah yeah 1988 anthrax ringer tea that fits perfectly but you have to look through all of that stuff right. and every once in a while you're going to try on some stuff that's going to look cool originally but it's going to be like 
irregular or it's not going to fit <laughs> properly or it's going to be boxy. But when you find that perfect 30-year-old super comfy t-shirt, it's really good. Steve, did you watch Evil Genius? Oh, the, the one Netflix from, special? from Erie? Uh, about the pizza bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the, yeah, yeah. That, dude, that was great. It was. It was good. Okay, so how are you going to say, like, ah, they just let it meander? Like, did you ever watch Wild Wild Country? Watch that. that oh, I that's never... the one about the uh, cult, the uh, sex the cult. cult. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. So, like, sure, Steve, there is a lot of crap out there because Netflix will basically just rent or, you know, rent things for them to put on their services for a lot. But, yeah, but all you have to do is sift through a little bit. It's, okay, for a better analogy for you, it's like going to a, a, a secondhand record score so you're going to a record store and you're gonna to have to look through a lot of abba cds or abba records <laughs> right. in order to find you know what i mean so yeah there is so much on netflix that a lot of it is crap but there is some really really there good is stuff and, but they're they're shotgunning it a little bit right so they're giving the sure. same care to something like a mine hunter that they're giving to something else that's not great you know what i mean like sure and i'm not picking i'm not again i'm not anti-netflix i'm just my observation here is put Mindhunter on HBO. Does it is it better? Is it more consistent? Is it you know what I mean? Like you don't think that was shopped to HBO? It probably was. Like people, yeah, you're right. It could have been. They usually they probably I'm not like this is gonna sound like a damning statement about Netflix, but usually people go to like the bigger places first, but not anymore, Steve. Right. Like now the marketplace is changing so much that broadcast like Subscription-based TV channels mm-hmm. are going away. Like that, all is all going to dissipate shortly. We don't exactly know what how it's going to look in five to ten years. Like whether it will even have brick or mortar theaters at any point in time right. in the near future. But with Netflix having, they hit. I think they hit critical mass too. I think it was the first time they hadn't shown growth in the last quarter or something due to subscriptions and things like that but it's just because everybody has netflix at this point in time so but the idea that you have to be on nbc or an abc is and is an outdated concept now Uh, where netflix is understand all that i guess my point is i think netflix still has some growing up to do the, the the running joke, right? You hear people talk about it is you, you call the Netflix eight hundred number, and they answer the phone. You've been greenlit. Go please, <laughs> or, or, or sure. how can I help you? Like, but they, your they, but they, your argument was your argument was is would, if it was on HBO, would it be better? That that's what your statement was, and that's that's not necessarily or would true. We, or or would we have season two already? Or would we? You know what I mean? Or would it have they done it as a mini series? And they would have they would have had a beginning and an end, right? Now we're stuck in this. We did something to see if people would like it. Like nobody knows if season two is going to be any good. I, I can tell you, but season one was awesome. So my my sure. expectation is pretty high for season two. I'm just my I guess my point is, it it, it seems like Netflix throws a lot of shit against the wall to see if it's going to stick. Sure. And I don't know. I'm, I'm, they, can they be trusted with something like this? Yes. They they were the one that put the trust in the people that created the show in the first place and gave them the yeah. the the creative freedom to basically just here, here's some yeah. money, go do what you want to make, and then it came back. See, before it came out, you had no idea. You hadn't heard anything about Mindhunter. How did you find out about it in the first place? It was on because it was on Netflix and the like the home screen. <laughs> yeah, it pops up on your home right. screen and you just and you just and you clicked on it and you had no idea that David Fincher was involved and most of those actors aren't household names like the guy that you mentioned is is recognizable but i didn't know his name the guy that played holt like i've seen him in a ton of stuff he was but he was in three kings he was the he was the guy yelling about taking the iraqi prisoners he's been but they didn't have to take a big financial risk because they weren't expecting anything from it so when you get that gem that comes back and you're like, wow, that was great. Then now they probably put a few more resources and a little bit more of a budget. And so the second season should probably be just as good, if not better, because all the creative people came back and it's the yeah. same actors. And so they would that that show wouldn't exist, wouldn't have existed unless Netflix took a gamble on it. So but saying that it would have been better on HBO isn't necessarily no. true. But but two years? It's not fair. But two like so why sure. why two years? Steve, how long do you think 
How long do you think it takes to make shows? I don't know, but... How long do you think it, it, it takes to make a show that's set in the 70s? Uh, but two, you know, like but two takes, years between seasons? How long do you think it takes to make movies, Steve? Uh-huh. It's not a movie. How, how, sure it is. It's a 10-hour long that's movie. True. Yeah, you know, that's it, true. It's yeah. different. It's different, Steve. They, they, they don't have the right... You know what I mean? They don't have the same mechanisms in place mm. as networks do about pushing pushing episodes through and having writer rooms. And it, it's more, these are 10 hour movies that are self-contained. That takes time. It, two hour movies take two years to make. So 10 hour movie probably should even take longer than that. But now you're getting, now you're going to complain that I haven't gotten my 10 hours of commercial free television well, I'm not compl- through I'm my not streaming. Complaining. I'm just, I, I'm, I don't know that I've seen this where, and maybe this is the binge watch era that we're in and maybe we need to yeah. get away from it. Maybe it's maybe that's not as effective of a format where you're just going to do a mass amount of content and, and then people are going to watch it all at once and then you got to wait two years to it's like binge eating, right? It's just like you're going to you're going you're gonna to have to eat again and then you're going to be like, oh, I can't eat that, so I got to go do something else. Without looking, when was the last episode of Stranger Th- or last season of Stranger Things? Um, Without looking. That that's been a year. It, it's been it was October of twenty eighteen, nineteen, no, no twenty seventeen. Okay, yeah. So it's been 18 so that's months. almost 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 two years, yep. and their one's not coming out till next week. Correct. So why aren't you mad about I that? Am. That was gonna be my next point. Okay, but and, and wouldn't you rather them take the time to make it good rather than rush out crap? Wait, AKA wait. wait. <laughs> did did we need a season two and three of Stranger Things? Yes. Could we have just like could they have just ended it? Like could they have made it yeah. like one or two more episodes and ended it and be done and just been like, all right, there's at Stranger Things. It's whatever. Was it twelve episodes? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, but why would you do that? Like if someone came to me and was like, Chris, I'm going to give you money to either make a ten episode miniseries or I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a season and I, with a possibility of two more seasons, and I'm going to say, No, I'm good. Yeah. I'm just I just want to you know put all of my blood, sweat, and tears into this project for a year and a half, two years, and then I just want to be done with it. Right. Or you get you get you like working with the cast, you like working in the sandbox that you've created, right. you like working with all the creative people, so. I haven't felt like I, I I don't feel that Stranger Things is meandering, and I think I I think I read somewhere that they only planned on doing three or four seasons, as long as you have that going in. Like that's all. That's the only argument that I'll make for it. It can't go infinity. Right. It just can't well, go on. It can't go till party doesn't go till question mark. <laughs> that's not the way it works. Well, <laughs> that's but the, it does in the real world. But and. In the context of that, I, I think if you come in and you know where it's going to end, not necessarily how you get there, like that's to me the journey is more important than the destination. But the destination still has to exist. Right. Uh, but I guess I guess with Stranger Things and Mindhunter and all, and even if, go back to True Detective. So I'm not. This is not me picking on Netflix now. This is any. This is this is the problem <laughs> with the format, right? Which is. Do you hear that Netflix? Steve hates yeah, you. No, this is when we talk about. A miniseries with a beginning and end at a fixed number of episodes versus something where we start it and like if we think people are going to like it, then we go season two, season three, season four, season, you know, like we keep going and going. And then if nobody likes it, then we just drop it. Right. And which is fine. I understand in it to make money, but. At some point, you have to kind of produce these things as a project. They like got a statement. This is what this is what it's going to be, like an album, well, right? Yeah, you don't rec- right. you don't record two songs and you'd be like, we're going to release these two songs, and everybody's going to go their separate ways. And if it really goes well, we're going to get everybody back together, and then we're going to do another one, and then we're going to uh, sure they do. But with the intention but of you, being like EPs and stuff, I know, like but that, you Steve. don't like that's why people don't get contracts to release major album releases, like full full albums, uh, until they have other stuff like that under their belt. No, but my point is, you would do if you would do an album, and they this is my album, it is done. Now you could do an EP, you could do a five song EP, or you could do a full full length album. But you would never piecemeal it together and try to say, I need all these to go together as a three-record concept album, and I'm going to do it all 
based on the success of the first one. That's what I feel like a lot of these do is where they, they start to, based on the success of season one, they make up season two. They make up uh, season three and, and we end up with True Detective. Uh, that's not necessarily how it works, man. Like when you pitch these shows, like they, they require, well, most of, I, obviously coming from limited experience, I don't really have any experience pitching shows to networks, but it's my understanding that you have to create something called the show Bible. And it's everything that you want this story to contain. Like it's it's lingo, it's atmosphere, it's clothing, it's narrative arcs, it's character arcs, it's all of this stuff has to be written. Like they don't these shows don't just be like, all right, we like this pitch, here's money to go make episodes, and then you turn the episodes in. Like most of these most of these have seasons planned out really far in advance. Some all the way to the the end of the the story itself but if network comes back and says all right well you only pitched us five seasons this is doing really well you have to pad it for eight seasons it's either you say no and you stand your ground and you lose your job and they find somebody else to do that or you make it work so i don't think it's necessarily fair to blame the writers to, to a certain extent where a lot of this is 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 netflix is netflix interference or hbo interference or them seeing a cash cow and trying to milk it for all it's right. worth. Well, so let's so. let's take that all the way back to network television, right? So, what you take something again? I guess in my when I look at this is if I if I have a project, you and I come up with an idea, we're like, hey, we're going to pitch this, we got this, and this is what it's going to be. And this is the beginning, this is the end, right? As opposed to pitching an idea. Yeah. So, go all the way back to network television. Look at something like The Walking Dead. Right. So had a beginning, had some source material, but it was going to kind of in and out from the original, like the, the graphic novels. But at some point I felt like, and I haven't watched Walking Dead in what, two, three years. It turned into a soap opera. Like, and when I mean that, I mean, it turned into kind of this. The zombies are irrelevant. The what? The zombies are irrelevant in that show. They're yeah. they're a narrative conceit. Yeah. That's all they're used well, for is to either push the story along or to eliminate a character. Right. And that's when I stopped caring. Yeah, but it, it's not. It didn't. Again, it, 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 is it going anywhere? Are the characters really developing? Is there like it just somewhere it's stuck in the? It just it, it just it, it the comics are still going. The comics are still going on, right. and the comics meander. Like that's that's the problem when the the source material hasn't ended yet. You know what I mean? Like, so that's why Walking Dead feels like it meanders because I'm pretty sure Kirkman doesn't know where he's going right. with this story. It, I, I think he's just not necessarily writing it for the paycheck, but it's fun for him. Right. He just gets to create up all these storylines and things like that. And he doesn't need see a necessity to end it. So why would he? Right. Where the TV show does. It, it lost its way a long time. I, the perfect example for this, Steve, is do you watch The Good Place? I watched the first season and a half maybe first two seasons uh, okay so it's one of nbc's highest rated new shows and it's it's very very popular on social media and, and memes mm -hmm. and things like that but michael Shear, i think that's his name is the guy that created the uh, good place and parks and rack and so they came up to him and they're like all right we want to we want to give you a few more seasons and he said no he was like, no, at the end of season four, that's it. He was like, we're done. He was like, that's the story I want to tell. And the only people that knew it were his writers. He went in specifically. He said, when you watch that show, like season one is very specific. The end of season one tells the story. And then at the end of season one, it changes the dynamic of the show. And then season two is all about change or addressing this new dynamic. And then that changing again, and each season changes the dynamic until it gets to the end point. And everybody was just like, well, why would you do that? And he goes, because it would be unfair to the people that I work with. It would be unfair to the people that have watched us religiously to continue to go on past the date that I already knew that's where it should yeah. end. Because it would feel watered down and recycled, and yes. and and that's th that's perfect. That's what I'm talking about. Which I wish there was, and I'm, it's I can't put it all on the writers. I can't put it like uh, these these businesses, Netflix and uh, HBO. They're out there to make money. I just wish that we would see more content like Chernobyl, uh, where it's beginning, it's end, it's it tells a story, it does it well, it doesn't have to do it in an hour and a half or two hour movie. Right, you have some flexibility there. It's so, just we get into this. I don't know. 
like I'm even I'm, I'm I'm excited for Peaky Blinders to come back, but that's another one where it's <laughs> been it's been a while, and I really like where that one's going. But yeah. at some point, like I'm not the same person I was when I started watching it. You know, like you know, like I'm older <laughs> now. Like, do I still yep. care about these characters? Do I still all that? So, I guess my my plea is, you know, in this in in this ability that we have now as the mediums where we can have content creators from from all all over the place, right? It's not just the big studios making content. Well, we can have this. Let's just focus on putting out good stories that have a beginning and an end. <laughs> like, that's I guess that's my plea. And if you can do that in an hour and a half, sure. make a movie out of it. If, you, if it takes six, six episodes as a miniseries, do that. And if it takes three seasons at 12 episodes a season, then do that. Let, let the content serve what you do not the economy of it which is hey if i get season one then they'll come back and pay me more for season two which again that's that's being a little idealistic but that's what when you see content like chernobyl what it's it's a bit idealistic like you have to realize that these regardless of whether these people are are storytellers and creative people it's still a business and there's so much business goes into that that they may come in with all good intentions of this is the story we're going to tell and it's going to be nice and, con- and concise and it's going to end where it's supposed to and then the netflix or the the network comes back and goes what if we paid you 50 more million dollars and gave you especially in a creative right. field gave you a solid job for two more years working with some of the best in the industry i don't think it's hard I to say no. say no it's, it's hard, hard to, to say, say no, no. Absolutely, like but I'm not. I'm not again. I'm not putting it on the writers. I'm not putting it on the content creator. I'm putting it on the the studios. Everybody's like, you know, yeah. Give them fifty million dollars, but have them come. What's their next project? Right? Sorry. Why do we need to keep this? It's it's again. It's the hit song mentality with with music, which is, hey, you wrote that thing you do. We need another one of those. Give me another one of those. Just give me another one. As opposed yeah. to, we want what you're capable of doing as an artist and all that, because it's all about the economics. I get it. Sure, but sure. we're in a, we're in an era now where not a hand. There's not this oligopoly monopoly of a handful that control all the music that gets made, all the media that get made, all the movies that get yeah. made. It is you can create your own thing. You and I could go sure. out there today. We could go Indiegogo. We could go whatever. We could get a little funding. We could make some content. So why, well, why don't they, we embrace that a little bit more and, and just focus on having stuff with a good beginning and end? That's my Sure. Point. Yeah. All right. We're, me, just, we're meandering now. Of course we are. We always <laughs> meander. That, that's, that's the way our show works. It's, it's yes. a meandering. So it feels but like makes us a little hypocritical, but nobody's no, of $50 million at us. But my, I guess my, my, my point is, and, and I don't know if you want anything else to add to the miniseries thing is, I, I just Chernobyl hit it for so many different reasons. Like it just hit so many good notes for me. Um, the, the that you the, want more of it, more of like, like it. That. I want sure. more like it. I don't like I said when I, I was done. I was like that was that was good. I don't need an episode six. I don't need them to come back with season two of Chernobyl. <laughs> like I don't. Someone need that. someone like, asked someone asked Craig Mason. I follow him on Twitter, and someone asked him if there was going to be a season two of, of Chernobyl, and he just went no. <laughs> like that's right. No, that's the story. That's the end of the Chernobyl story. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pat it and say Legasov like, faked his death and became like an international spy. <laughs> no, right. He was right. like, that's it. He was like, no, that's just the way yeah. it works. But I got some. I mean, but I don't know. Like, I don't think anyone ever ma- sets out to make crap. Well, some people do. <laughs> Lloyd I don't, I don't think they set out, set to, out to it, but I think there's pitfalls that everybody should recognize sure. and be like, "Oh, we're 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 we're, st- we're straying away from what we wanted to do here." Steve, but at least we've gotten away. Like, just the I don't I know we're getting ready to wrap up, but at least we've gotten away from when we when I started doing research in the miniseries. Like, I was I'm, I was and am a huge Stephen King fan. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of Stephen King's work is too long to make into movies. Like, yeah. it's been it's been done well. Like Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, that are very very dense books that get 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 pared down and made into really compelling two hour movies. But at least we've gotten past the the miniseries made for TV miniseries on Stephen King's ones like as much as I love the miniseries it 
because mm-hmm. of Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise. I would have liked to see that that miniseries, the one with Tim Curry, done at a HBO where they could be a little bit more graphic. And it kind of was. Like the the movie version of it was a little bit more along the lines of what King, Stephen King's story was. It's the same thing with I want HBO to do a si- or yeah HBO six to ten episodes of The Stand. The yep. Stand is one of my favorite books of all time, and there's no way you can make it into one narrative feature without losing so much of it. So make right. it into a six part hard R miniseries. That's all I've, I've campaigned for that for so long. I want the guy that wrote season season one of or actually wrote all the seasons of True Detective, Nick Palazzo. I want him to write it, and then I want Kerry Fuganawa, the guy that directed the first season of True Detective, to direct the Stan Mary series, but they're not going to do it. And they're going to make it into a movie and it's not going to be very good, but at least we've gotten past the made for TV watered down PG versions of these things. And at least Netflix, (laughs) Hulu and, and other streaming platforms at least give you a little bit more leeway. So So, good content. Just give me, give me good content. I'm, 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 yeah, now I'm I'm gonna go watch the night of. Like you've got me. Yeah, uh, we'll that's talk good. About that in a future episode, like I need I that. I watched and, it, and 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 kind of what we talked about off air is I, you know, and I I don't know where my time goes. Maybe it's because I'm older and I sleep more, <laughs> or I just I, I don't know. I do other things, or it takes me longer to do things because I'm older. I, I just you know a 22 like I binge watch Mad Men. I've been binge watch a whole bunch of stuff couple years ago where I would stay up and watch three or four episodes a night. Like Chernobyl was fine. I got through it in a week. I watched one episode a night. It was an hour. It was it was great. So I need that in terms of my portion size. Um as opposed to the, the bigger stuff. So there you go. Yeah, I don't you're not really the demographic they're shooting for, Steve. Why not? Because you don't because you don't sit down and watch fourteen hours of television a day. They're not trying to hook <laughs> the guy that watches an hour of television a day. Like uh, that's why Chernobyl's a risk where all of this reality television is cheap. People watch it because they're mindless and right. you can pump them out over and over again, where Chernobyl takes a little bit more time, takes a little bit more effort, takes a little bit more money. And the result is a crapshoot. It could have been terrible. They could have tried to make everyone do Russian accents and it would have just sounded really, really weird. <laughs> right. So I don't know. But Steve, you're also the one that said Ozark wasn't any good. Yeah, I came back around on that one. Yeah, you I did. still haven't like, finished it because after yeah, I've no. Uh, you like I that just... was just. You did, but you make these statements, and I was just like, dude, you didn't give it time to breathe, and you're like, dude, I watched the first episode. I'm like, but that doesn't count. Like, why do I have to give it three episodes to breathe? Like, give me three episodes. Like, all right, you got your three hours in. It's good. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you also said you didn't like Fury Road, so. As a host of a pop culture pop culture podcast, you have terrible taste in pop culture. What? What are you talking about? I've got tremendous taste in pop culture. Just because it doesn't align with yours. Yeah, my my the one that I've been studying and I have a degree in. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty What's pretty that? good at my pop culture analysis. <laughs> all right, all that's right. all I got. Unless we want to talk about Ken Burns. I think that's the only other thing I had written down. It just says Ken Burns in big letters. Yeah, that we could do a whole thing. On, I mean, most of his. Well, yeah, that baseball, no, we're, we're the ba- baseball we're, is a miniseries. Baseball yeah. was like a fourteen, yeah. fourteen episode miniseries. But good lord, I I don't even particularly like. I like baseball, but I don't like it enough to watch fourteen hours of it. <laughs> the history right. of it. Like yeah, I, I really like. I, I, I'm fascinated by the Vietnam War, but I'm not watching fourteen hours on Vietnam. Right. But I got some of the Civil down. War one because Charlie was real into that, and that was on Netflix. Yeah. So we watched some of the Civil he, War. He makes cap- makes boring things captivating, which mm-hmm. is a testament to him. But right. I had a few other ones. Do you consider Black Mirror a miniseries? Uh, it's only three episodes every few hours, like every few years. Yeah, Dark Mirror or Black Mirror. Black Mirror. That was Dark called, Mirror. I don't no, know. Black Mirror. Yes. Black Mirror is probably the smartest show on streaming services. I love that show. Yeah. It, it, the first episode of this season with uh, uh, Anthony Mackie, who played Falcon from the Avengers and stuff, mm-hmm. they do this virtual reality episode. Boy, did that, that messed me up. Where you, have that, to play, like, was, you have to use your smart TV to interact with it. Is that the right? Am I thinking the right thing? Uh, no. The one where he, him and his buddy go into like the VR game 
and he his buddy is the girl. Oh no. Oh, dude, watch it. <laughs> after I after I turned it off, I just texted Benny. I was like, "Have you started watching Black Mirror yet?" And he goes, "Did you just watch the Anthony Mackie one?" I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Do you feel terrible?" I was like, "I do." I was like, "I need to go like weep in a corner for a while." It oh, just wow. that that show poses a lot of very very interesting question when it comes to what technology is doing our society. Like that's why I always try to tell people about it. Like if you're not watching Black Mirror, it's basically oh, the Twilight yeah, Zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched at folk... least the first two seasons of that. I think. Okay, I know. There's th- there's some there's some ones that don't land as much, but this most recent one, I think it's called Screaming Vipers. It's named after the game that they play. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, dude! <laughs> like the the amount of questions that it raises, and then you start thinking about your gaming history and what your choices of characters and stuff actually means about you. Mm-hmm. psychologically speaking oh boy <laughs> be, be, right. just be ready when you watch it but right. i highly recommend it i gotta watch night of first all right yep that'll all do right. it um that'll do it for season six episode 22 of match wits so you can follow us on twitter match wits uh that's w-i-t-t-s match wits and our website at matchwits or matchwits.com the ad is on twitter i got this right i need to eat um did you leave no, you just my, my my air conditioning just kicked off. Oh, it hadn't you, kicked you, on the entire podcast, so I you, muted it. That's you went all. red, and I was like, oh, did he leave? All right, be that way. Um, I've had it. I'm done. All right, so I think that's good. We talked about at MatchWits and uh, MatchWits.com, and you can in all of Senate, or download us on any streaming services. Give us some reviews, five stars, send us feedback, questions, whatever, text me. And with that, we are out. Later, brother. Later. Later, dude.